Good afternoon, everyone. Great to see you. Happy New Year to you. What a great way to bring in the new year than to be together in church, celebrate God together, uh, enjoy uh, fellowship. As you've already heard, we're beginning today a new series that I'm really excited about. We're joining with all of the uh, Every Nation churches around the world, and we're doing the same sermon series together called Set Apart. And it's an examination of God's holiness and what it means to participate in that holiness. So uh, brace yourself for the next number of weeks, we're going to be looking at one topic. Today, we're going to be looking at one word, and that's the idea of holiness. The verse that we're looking at today is Exodus 15, verse 11. And here's what it says. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? So we're going to be plucking out one word out of that verse that we're going to be focusing on, and that is the word holiness. And you know, when you think about the word holiness, I don't know if you're very familiar with that word, but it almost puts dread in your heart. Like, this is not good news. I don't know if you've... um, seen those bumper stickers that say, uh, Jesus is coming, look busy. And it's that kind of idea, like God's holy, look out. Because for sure that can't be good news. He's got a bit of an attitude. And somehow holiness is is wrapped up with that. Well, uh, what does the word holy mean? Well, in Greek, it's kadosh, which is not skadoosh. For those of you who are familiar with uh, Kung Fu Panda, those are very different things, so we're going to leave behind the movie. Um, And here's what it means. It means to to cut or to separate. So holiness is cutting something, is separating two things. And so we've got to figure out what that's about. Now, God's name is holy. There, I, I, I spent this week, I think there's 700 times the word holy is mentioned. I looked through all of them this week. And uh, 48 of those times, it's describing his name, that God is holy, is who he is. Well, uh, most of the times, sorry, most of the times that that God's name is described, half of those times, he's described as holy, and the other times is kind of a, a synonym for that. So this isn't just, holiness is not just one attribute of who God is, it's actually a description of all that he is. When he says he's holy, it's a summary of who he is. So what's interesting then about this is that there's something about who God is that he's separating things. You know, when you think of the idea of love, that we always think of unity and bringing things together. Well, God is actually in the business of separating things. And we'll discover how this is still about love, but it's in a different kind of way. So God's always separating We're going to be looking at how he does this in creation, in the Old Testament, and then today. Looking first at the Old Testament. What we find in the, uh, sorry, in creation, what we find in the creation account in Genesis chapter 1 is the first thing that we notice is that he separates day and night. And he does that in order to establish time. And then he separates uh, the land and the sky. And he does this to create space for humanity. Then he separates the living and the lifeless. Those become resources for us to eat food. And then finally, he separates living things from humans in particular. So the description of God creating the earth is he's separating things. And the reason why he's doing that is God is creating 
time, space, and resources for relationship to occur. So there's something about separating things that creates the opportunity for relationship. I mean, that's a, that's a hard thing to wrap our mind around, but let's continue. So that's what creation is. Now let's look at the Old Testament. We'll see the same things that he's doing throughout the, the, the Old Testament. First of all, he separates time. He says, there's one special day that I want you to acknowledge above all the other days, and uh, it's the Sabbath. And that day is separate or distinct from all the other days. It's a special day. And then he talks about having a special space uh, that's called the temple. And I'm going to be in the temple in a way that I'm not in other places. It's a special place where you get to connect with me. And then he talks about food. He says there's going to be two kinds of food. There's going to be clean food and unclean food. And I want you to separate those two things. And I mean, nowadays we look at it and go, what? why? Well, somehow this separation is speaking to us about what God's prioritizing because he's holy. Then he goes on to separate the people of God, Israel, from all the other nations. He says, I'm going to have a special relationship with you that's distinct from all the other nations in the world. I'm separating you. And then he adds, which you don't see in the creation account, he says, I want you to live separate kind of behaviors. I want you to behave in a way that's unlike anybody else. I want you to look like me. Why is God doing all, these, all this separating? Again, God separates time, places, people, resources, and behaviors for relationship to flourish. God's separating what destroys relationship with what blesses relationship. Holiness is God separating everything that will pollute a healthy relationship with God so that we're wholly devoted to him just as he is wholly devoted to us. Therefore, uh, one theologian says, holiness is relationship in its purest form. Isn't that powerful? Think about that for a minute. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about holiness, I don't always think about relationship. But the purest relationship that you can imagine is holy. And God says, be holy as I'm holy. The relationship that I want to engage in with you, with the rest of humanity, I want to engage in a holy relationship, in a pure relationship, in a loving relationship. I don't want it polluted by sin. I don't want it undermined by things that destroy relationship. So I'm cutting away everything that would get in the way of a pure relationship with you because that's who I am and it's how I long to relate to you. This is what the word holy means. Dr. Richard Lintz, who writes in the Gospel Coalition, the core idea of divine holiness is moral purity. Again, we think of morals being a list of do's and don'ts. That's not what's going on. It's loving relationships. Morals describe love. And God's holiness is about pure love. And then he goes on to say, God is the very source and standard of goodness. 
Here's why I find this incredibly helpful. If I uh, was to say that we should all engage in loving relationships, nobody, well, maybe there's a few, but nobody on the face of the planet is going to disagree with that. They go, oh yeah, I want loving relationships, why wouldn't I? And then if you were to interview people in what loving relationships mean, you would have a wide diversity about what love and relationship means. Well, I think it means this. I think it means this. And so God comes along and he says, I'm going to give you a holy definition of what love and relationship is. I'm going to cut away everything that isn't loving and I'm going to show you what true love is, what pure love is. That's my intent. I am only loving. And so if you want to know what love is, the only way that you can know is by looking at me because my love is holy, it's distinct, it's separate from all the other definitions of love. God's holiness then rightly defines loving relationships. Again, I just find this fascinating that uh, when we think about love and relationship, we think, come on in. Like, everybody's loved, everybody's accepted, come on in. And then you read the Bible, and he goes, okay, I want to create a loving relationship with you. Let's, don't do this, separate this, this won't work, this won't work. Do this. This is who I, this is how I'm different. I'm actually separating you, cutting away all that could undermine relationship. So in a world that says anything goes, God stands in contrast to that and says, my love is holy. It's better than all the other loves that have been described to you. I am the source and the standard of what goodness is. So anybody can repent and be a part of this, but God insists on there being one division in the world. And it's the division between righteousness and Love and sin. There's one division. Humanity creates all kinds of divisions. There's ethnic divisions, socioeconomic divisions. Uh, There's uh, just a myriad of beliefs. There's tons of things that divide us. And God says there's only one division that I care about. And I'm going to cut away sin so that love can thrive. It's the only division that concerns me. And that division makes me holy, and it's what I'm inviting you into. So there's something true when people describe holiness as somehow being about God's anger. God hates sin because he hates what destroys relationship. And so it's not just, you know what, if you want to do things your way, you just go. He's not, he hates sin, and he wants nothing to do with it. Not because of some abstract perfection, but because he knows what sin does to love and relationship. So that's in the Old Testament. If you ever read the Old Testament, you'll see that God's constantly trying to separate out a people for himself. And they're constantly blending into society. And that's called the Old Testament. We'll talk more about that next week. So in creation, we see him separating so that we can have time, space, and resources to have relationship. He goes even more specifically in the Old Testament, adding to that particular behaviors that bless and curse relationship. Well, what about today? God is still 
separating. He's still dividing. He's still holy. Now I'd like to be able to explain this to you out of 1 Peter verses 2 to 5. You'll see it on the screen. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. So I've talked about this a while ago, but I wanted to bring it up again in the context of God's holiness. Uh, A number of us went to Israel uh, a while ago. I've been a few times now. I can't actually remember which time I I heard our guide, Aryeh, talk about that there's two kinds of stones. There's dead stones in, in, in Hebrew culture. There's dead stones and there's living stones. Here in this verse, it says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. It actually gives the definition of what a living stone is. You see, a dead stone, I have stones here. It's an object lesson. (laughs) And these stones right now, all of them would be considered dead stones. They're unattached. If they were in a field, it would be disruptive to the farming community to have these stones. It's just an annoyance. They're dead stones. How does a dead stone churn in to becoming what First Peter describes as a living stone. It's if a stone gets chosen out of all the stones in the field, gets chosen to be put into building a house for people to dwell in. It moves from becoming dead to alive simply by its function of being fit into something that allows relationship to flourish. What do living stones do? They create a spiritual house. What are houses for? Relationship. And so as we, uh, as we decide to leave behind independence and get fit into God's church, a spiritual house, we find ourselves being set apart, being made holy for a unique purpose to, uh, to receive the presence of God and to experience relationship with him and others. This stone might require some chiseling in order to get fit into the house. It might need some shaping. But what moves it from being dead to alive is being used for relationship. Another way of saying that is that this stone becomes holy. A holy stone is a stone taken from all the common stones, separated from those stones, cut away, and now used for a special purpose. It's holy now. It's not like all the other stones. This stone has a unique purpose, to be in relationship with the living God and with his church. This is what it means to be made holy. God loves everyone. For God so loved the world. He loves everyone. Not everyone is is in relationship with him and set apart from the world, all competing gods, all competing loves, and set apart to be in a unique relationship with the living God. Only as we receive the call to be holy as he is holy are we then put inside of relationship. So what are, what are you, if, if God wants to make you holy, 
What are you being set apart for? Well, I'm repeating it over and over again. We're set apart for relationship. Uh, one of the things that we describe, if you read your Bible every day, one of the words that Christians use, use for uh, Bible reading and prayer is called devotions. And that word comes from being devoted. And devoted means to be holy. And so I'm gonna, if I say that I'm going to have devotions, what it means is I'm going to take a time and a space and be alone with God. And in that moment, I am holy. I am away from all distractions, all competing um, allegiances, and I am devoting myself to a personal relationship with the living God. I'm participating in his holiness. Now, here's where it gets very interesting for me. That's already lots of new information, isn't it? Holiness is being set apart for relationship. So let me ask the question then. When are relationships holy? When are they holy? What does a holy relationship look like? Well, it looks like this. But I want to drill down on one characteristic that I think is critical to the idea of holiness. When are relationships holy? When they are characterized by faithful love. The word hesed, which I'm grossly mispronouncing in my English accent, is, a, uh, is the word that describes the love of God. And God's love is described as faithful love. That's what it means, the word hesed. It's impossible to have a love relationship with God unless you're wholly devoted to him and him alone for all time and in all spaces and places. It's faithfulness to him that distinguishes his kind of love from every other kind of love. It's a faithful love. The thing that we said that God hates is sin and immorality, to be immoral, to be impure. What does that mean? It means to be unfaithful, undevoted. You know, you can think about, what does God want from me? And we look at the Bible and there's lists of behaviors and we, and we, you know, we hope if we do a few of those behaviors, you go happy now? Because this has been killing me. And it's super hard to live up to all your expectations. And I've got to memorize what they all mean. Do you know what it all means? All, all the descriptions of love and relationship have underpinning all of them faithfulness and loyalty. To, be, to have a place in our heart and life that is for him and him alone. God wants a holy relationship with us. I think about my wife, Debbie. Debbie and I have a holy relationship. I treat her differently than any other woman on the face of the planet. I don't have a relationship with women. I have a relationship with my wife. 
And when she's distinct, separate, cut off, holy, devoted, all of those words, pure, it's the kind of love that reflects the love of God. And if I was to make the qualities of our relationship common, it would become unholy. No, it's distinct. It's separate from all the other kinds of relationships that I have. I have no other kind of relationship with anyone as I do with Debbie. It's holy. She's distinct. And I decided in my heart to distinguish her from everyone else. And that's closer to reflecting the love of God. And so God comes along and he says, I want a holy relationship with you. You go, this is just restricting. <sighs> like, lighten up. And what we're really saying is, can't I play the field of other gods? He says, no. No, I, am, I have given myself wholly to you. And I would expect nothing less in return. You begin to grab hold of what this idea of holiness is. Today, I think, nothing is sacred. Sex is no longer sacred. Sex is no longer a holy act. It's common. And you go, my life, my body, I get to do with it whatever I want. I might have some standards, but they're my standards. They're not God's standards. And I do with my body whatever I want. That's unholy. It's immoral. It's not pure. And so uh, your sexual experience does not reflect the love of God. Because it's not, if, if it's outside of marriage, it's not faithful. Yeah, it might mimic physical intimacy, but it's unholy. And the reason why it's unholy is you've made it common instead of distinct and unique. That alone makes it unholy. Friendships. Well, friendships come and go, don't they? It's, uh, you know, where is there a friend that sticks closer than a brother? What is our relationship with the church? Is it a holy relationship? Or is church and friends, is work, these just are just commodities for me. I'm not devoted to them. They're a resource that I use for my self-development and personal pleasure. They're not holy. For them to be holy would be something about loyalty and commitment. And I think our society knows nothing about this. I was talking to somebody uh, just a few days ago, and I was, I was noticing something that has changed over the years. I've been in vocational ministry for over 30 years. And I remember, I don't know why, it has nothing to do with being in ministry actually, but I remember it in this context, that um, if I was meeting with somebody and I said something vulnerable, 
I just knew it wouldn't get spread around. I would just know that. I don't know how I knew it, but there seemed to be, in our society, a code of conduct that said this moment is holy and I don't, I don't make this knowledge common to everybody. It's a distinct moment. And what I've noticed is I can't do that so much anymore. That if I tell somebody something in confidence, I'm not sure that it will be a holy moment, that it'll get, it'll get spread about, used for, for personal benefit. And so I have to filter how I talk. It's just fascinating to me. I have to talk differently and dare I say, unholy relationships that don't treat knowledge or intimacy as sacred things anymore. And if something that you said I can use, I just might use it. Yeah, I, I betrayed, I betrayed the, the holiness of the moment, but hey, it was useful and helpful. When love lacks loyalty, it's selfish. Now, I want you to think about that for a super long time. When love lacks loyalty, it's selfish. I think if I was to divide against Debbie, I can only think of selfish reasons, never loving reasons. There's not one loving reason ever why I would divide from my wife in sickness and in health, for rich or for poor, till you know, death do us part. David doesn't like that part. We had a, uh, we, we read a book uh, in our, uh, uh, in our, on our honeymoon called The Mystery of Marriage. And it's a great book, but we got to one point when it said that marriage doesn't last forever. You know, the ch- relationships in the church last forever, but not marriage with your person. She, she cried. And we never finished the book because we, we, couldn't, we couldn't get over the, anyways. But devoted, right? <laughs> devoted. <clears throat> think about, please, think about why you would ever divide. And I bet you there's selfishness in it. And I think the church needs to grab hold again of what faithful love really means. Uh, my father-in-law, uh, Opa, I don't know how many years you worked for the same company. Can you say how many? It was a lot. Uh, decades and decades. And I remember asking him about this over the years. I go, why do you work for the same company? Made a commitment. And other companies would come along, offer him more money, something that was more, he never took it. Is that ever true anymore? All I have to do is say, $10 an hour raise, I'm in. I'm in. No problem. For 10 bucks, yeah. There's nothing holy about my job. I'm not committed to the company because the company isn't committed to me. And somehow that justifies my unholiness if they're unholy. So there. 
And churches are commodities too. So I don't even have to be committed to them. Friends come and go. Yeah, but are you holy? Nobody asks that anymore. And somehow we justify, because everybody else is unholy, that we get to be unholy too. And we're going to set apart a time to be set apart and to say, no, no, I'm not like everybody else because I worship a holy God who has thoroughly committed himself to me. And even when I am faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. We serve a holy God. God, in conclusion, has set us apart for love and relationship. We are chosen stones, living stones. Can you imagine? The living God, the creator of heaven and earth, out of all the people in the world, plucked you out and says, I want a relationship with you. I'm going to devote myself to you. You'll be my people, my special possession." You're not just a brick in the wall. You're mine. And I have devoted myself to you. God help us if we ever betray that vulnerability. God's love is pure because he is devoted, faithful, and loyal to us. He doesn't leave or forsake us for rich or for poor, in sickness and in health. He's devoted. I think the, <clears throat> the world struggles to trust in God, to trust that he's holy. Why? Well, we could say it's because of the wickedness in our heart, and that for sure would be true. But maybe what's also true is that there's no echo of his holiness. There's little echo of his holiness in the world today. And we have so few and rare experiences of faithful, loyal, devoted, committed love that we don't even have a category in our brains to put what his love must be like. In uh, uh, our, the marriages that we do in every nation, we all have the same vows that we do. And we do that on purpose. Um, because if you go to somebody's wedding, we want you to hear the vows you made when you got married here. We want you to hear them again. There's a, there's a, a part of the prayer that we, prayer, we pray at the, end of, uh, at the end of the wedding ceremony. And this is one of the lines. May they never take each other's love for granted, but always experience that breathless wonder that exclaims, out of all in this world, God has given me you. That's holiness. Out of all in this world, God has given me you. You're unique. You're special. There's no one else who I will ever treat like how I treat you. Our marriages, our churches, dare I say, our relationships with the world need to be bathed in the holiness of God. 
for us to somehow reflect his beauty and his strength. Where does it begin? It begins with us receiving who he says that he is and trusting that. How has it felt, for those of you who have the experience, some of us don't, how did it feel to be chosen by someone or to be chosen for a job? How did that feel? It's a pretty great feeling. What would it be like to be chosen by the creator of heaven and earth? Would we ever be insecure? Would we ever be confused or depressed? Well, probably because we were not faithful. But as we trust in who he is, our lives radically change. So here's what my prayer is as I think about coming into a new year. The series is called Being Set Apart. So can 2024 be a holy year? A year that we're set apart to declare and to delight in God's holy love. I must say one more thing. People will say to me, and I've heard it many, many times, and it's come out of my own mouth as well. I, uh, I just haven't felt it. I just haven't felt his love. I just don't know if his love is true. If I could just have a particular kind of experience, it would involve certain kinds of emotions. Then I could lean on it. And God's response is, I have proven myself holy in a far more convincing way than your emotions could ever grab hold of. And if you can't believe this, then there will never be an emotion that satisfies your criticism of me. God has shown himself to be holy to his people. And if you and I can grab hold of not just any love, but God's holy love, I believe that our lives would be transformed. So Father, we thank you that you're not just one of many. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. There is no one like you. You are distinguished among the gods. Moreover, your love is distinguished among all the gods, all creation. There is no one like you, no one. You are pure love. And you oppose all that would oppose a love relationship with you. And so I ask in these coming weeks as we, as we unpack what this means, I pray that we would be a people that have fallen in love and found safety in your holiness. There is no safer place to be than in the power of your love. 
Help us cast off every false idea of who you are and of what your holiness is. And let us delight in who you say that you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.